welcome back to today's edition of Love Thy Body. I'm your host, Scott Wynn, and we're here to bring you another great episode. Today, my guest is an exotic dancer, an online retailer, and she also has a new OnlyFans Academy that you won't want to miss. So with no further ado, I'd like to introduce you, the sexy spiritual gangster herself, Neil Dine. Hey, Emily. Thanks for joining Hi. us. Hello, hello. Thanks for having me. Yeah. How's your um, quarantine been going so far? It's been going good, you know. I'm getting to the point now where it's like, okay, I'm having to create lists of things to do because I'm just knocking out to-do lists with all this free time. <laughs> but that's good. It's going productive. How about yours? Man, I've been doing so much work. Uh, I've gotten so much more done because I don't have the influx of stuff coming in and out and having to leave. So it's been kind of great for me. Um, yeah, same. So what motivated you to start working um, in the exotic dancing industry? And how did you like find your way to that? So I originally, my first job ever in nightlife, I was actually a bottle girl like a cocktail waitress at this little bar and I did it for like two weeks <laughs> and I saw these go-go dancers working one night and I was like oh I'm doing that so I originally started out exotic dancing I guess as a go-go dancer um and if you don't know like people don't know what go-go dancers are they're basically just like they're for entertainment and nightclubs but they don't take anything off so I was doing that for like a year and I took a work trip or a school trip up to New York City for the weekend uh, with one of my professors. And me being the crazy person that I always am, I'm the one convincing everyone, like, we need to go to strip club. We should go to strip club. And, like, no one else wanted to go. Like, I, was, I ended up dragging one girl along with me, and I had to, like, beg her, convince her, pay for her way and everything. I was like, she was not going to go. But we ended up at this strip club in New York, and I realized up there that they don't take their tops off. And like when they do, or the club I was at, it was Lust in Brooklyn, um, which I think was like 50 Cent's Club or something. But um, Cardi B used to work there. Like it was a big, well-known club at the time. And they didn't even show nipples. Like they got topless. Some people got topless. But when they did, they had to wear pasties. And yeah. And so I was like, wow, like this is just like go-go dancing. Like they're doing the same thing that I do. And they're making way more money like being a stripper. So... (laughs) I returned to North Carolina after that trip, and um, within, like, three weeks, I was back up there working at that club, stripping, and that was, like, my first time getting, like, taking off my top, but it still just felt so innocent, like, it didn't really feel like I was doing anything different than what I was doing back home, so it was a really easy transition from go-go dancing in little North Carolina to dancing at one of the biggest clubs in New York. <laughs> wow, that, that is a jump, though. Um, so you're from North Carolina, right? Yep, born and raised. Tell me a little bit about, like, what growing up was like and what the environment was. Um, growing up, uh, I come from, I guess what you could say, an immigrant family. My mom um, was originally from England, so... Uh, it's a different type of immigration. I feel like coming from England, it's not like <laughs> the right. same as like some other places. But um, she came here uh, in her 20s and had me. 
Um, and my father, he's uh, ex-military. So I grew up um, in a lot of different cultures. Like my parents were separated. So visiting my dad, it was always like, you know, super strict, um, pretty religious, conservative type family. And then on my mom's side, she was much more liberal, cool one. Um, but I don't know, my childhood was cool. I mean, definitely played outside a lot, did all the 90s kids things. Uh, one of my favorite movies growing up was The Players Club, so. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, that kind of shocked the culture when it came out, though. Like, it was just one of those movies. And, you know, like, it was just, like, I remember being, like, four or five years old watching that movie and thinking, like, this is legit. And, like, this old lady that Easter babysit me, I remember one day I came to her house to visit, and she was like, oh, you've grown up so much. What do you want to be when you grow up? And, you know, in my mind, the first thing I thought was a stripper. <laughs> but I knew. <laughs> but I knew I couldn't say this. Like, I knew it was still, even that young, like, I wasn't one of those kids that was, like, always saying shit and, like, didn't know better. Like, I was a very smart kid. And I knew, like, I can't say that I want to be a stripper to this lady. So I said a singer because it just was, like, the next thing that came to my head, knowing I can't sing. Everyone in my family knowing I can't sing. But, like. I just think it's so funny how like one of the first professions I really wanted to do was stripping. <laughs> so when did you become like aware of your body and what were some of the like messages that you were taking in at that point? Um, like as a child? Yeah. Um, definitely mostly, I feel like mostly surrounding shame. Like I remember a lot as a kid, um, like when I would go visit my dad's side of the family, he like, they were super conservative, as I said. And like, I remember he would always complain that like my clothes are too small, my butt was too big. And like one memory that stands out is like, um, we were going to a pool party with my dad and my stepmom. And um, I put on the bathing suit that like I always wear that my mom had sent me with. And <laughs> my dad and my stepmom just looked at my ass and like my stepmom just laughed and shook her and she couldn't believe how big my butt was, I guess. Even though like my butt is not that crazy big, but I guess because like I was so skinny, like mm -hmm. even now, like I'm skinny, but the biggest thing on me is my butt. Right. <laughs> so um, they just were like, they took me immediately and put me in a one piece. And like, it made me feel like, wow, like, okay. Number one, no one on the other side of the family, like no one at my mom's house has ever even made it seem like I have a big butt. And then like over here, you guys are like, you need to we need to go go shopping right now because you're just like too revealing um another instance like that growing up was like you know uh, everyone used to wear those sweatpants that like cuffed at the knee and like um i guess they were like i don't know but they were like sophie pants and like aeropostale had them a lot oh yeah like, them capris yeah the capris, yeah, the capris. Thing, like, <laughs> like all the girls had those yes yes um I was living with my dad one year and I remember I wore those um, to school. Like, first of all, I was like super poor growing up. So like I wanted some of those so bad and couldn't find any, couldn't get any. And I finally got a pair. I think maybe someone gave me some or something. I don't know, but I had a pair and I was so excited to wear them. And I remember the first day I wore them, um, like a couple kids were picking on me and saying they could see my underwear through them. And that's when I realized like, oh, like the girls wearing these are wearing thongs or they're not wearing underwear. <laughs> Right. 
So I remember like I went um, shopping with my stepmom and she like we bought I bought thongs and my stepmom didn't think anything of it. She bought me thongs. When my dad found those thongs, like oh yeah. <laughs> He was like, it was like World War Three, and I was like, yo, like, like, I didn't see what was wrong with wearing a thong. Like, it was just so much, I feel like, being taught to, sh like, to hide your body, to not show it off, and, like, to not be proud of your blessings. Like, come on now. It's a blessing. <laughs> Entirely. But that's North Carolina. I mean, it's a small, it's a very um, conservative area. Even, like, as much liberal stuff as the young people try to bring up, like, it's still very compared to, I mean, we're a little more hip. I would say we're more hip than South Carolina, you know, but <laughs> but it's still, we have a long way to go, especially when it comes to, like, body positivity um, and, like, sex positivity, for sure. Yeah. So, going through that, I guess, I mean, at this point, you're in puberty and you're starting to develop like how did that make you feel about your self-image when you're getting sort of those messages at home and you know what was the message in it? conversations like at school um it's honestly confusing to me because at school like I was still the most skinniest like flat-chested I still am the most flat-chested person but like I was not like one of the voluptuous kids at all like I remember going home to my mom and being like, man, I wish I was, I had boobs and I wish my, I had a big ass and all this stuff. And my mom used to tell me, she was like, Emily, all those kids that are super thick now, like they have ass and titties because y'all are 12 and 13. She was like, those kids, when they're grown, they're going to be like big as a house, trust me. And you're going to be finally getting, getting thick. And I'm like, whatever, I don't believe you. Like, <laughs> but it's like, I'm 25 now and I'm finally filling out. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And she was probably right. <laughs> well, she was right. Like, you know, you're on Facebook, you're feeling low about yourself, you're on Facebook, and you see all the people from middle school that used to pick on you, and you're like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> mm -hmm. So did you did you deal with bullying a lot, or was that just sort uh, of oh, like yeah. normal? Oh, yes. I was always bullied. Um, I moved a lot in middle school, and they hated me everywhere. And then, and like, even in high school, like, uh, high school, I wasn't really bullied because I went to this early college. So like, people thought I was annoying, but like, it was a really small school to where like, we were more like family and everyone just kind of had their own personality and no one was like cooler or more popular than anyone else. Cause there was like, none of us there. Yeah. Yeah. There wasn't enough of us, but in middle school, for sure. Mostly just because like, I might've not had the coolest clothes, the coolest stuff. And Probably, I mean, looking back on it, maybe because I was pretty, but back then it didn't seem like I was getting picked on because I was pretty. I was getting picked on because I was freaking weird. And I talked a lot. Like, I was just like the class clown, but also like, will she just shut the fuck up? Like, <laughs> that was me. <laughs> I get that. Um, yeah, I, I fit that category up until about ninth grade. Yeah. I changed schools almost every year, either because, you know, I wasn't doing well in some regard. I was a really, really good art student, but uh, socially, I always had some challenges. And then there was a lot of rezoning here uh, because they were building new schools and changing the way uh, students 
performed and where they performed at. So I was almost in a different school every every year, every other year, even though I was oh, wow. in the house. So there was this constant either making new friends or reacclimating to people that I knew from, you know, another school that moved over. So there was always this shifting of trying to refine um, my place. What was that like for you? Like, were you, I understand even in like the smaller environments, there's still sort of uh, a disconnect sometimes between you and the other students. Did you feel like you were able to really genuinely connect and shine? Or do you feel like it was like a later point that you were able to? I would say in high school, I was definitely more, um, I was always myself. I never cared much about fitting in. So uh, I had my little tribe of friends. I had people that fucked with me and um, that was enough. Like I didn't really connect with everyone, but I don't think you're really supposed to, you know? So I did, I did well enough. I still have friends from high school, um, but I would say it would really have to be like the past couple years that I really began to um, like, I guess, re-stop caring what people think. I would say in high school, I really didn't care. In college, I definitely was toned it down a lot. I tried to make myself more palatable for people because um, I'm always that person that's, like I said, trying to be funny or trying to make friends. Or, and then I used to talk about sex a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. Um, and, and then just like, certain experiences I feel like toned that down for several years and like probably around a year and a half ago when I started working with um Pink Hefs and I think that that's how I met you was working with Hef um that was when I really started to like more just embrace myself and be more open um with my personality and not feel like I had to protect my personality as much because I found a support system I found a community of people that um, are into the same things that I am. And that was like the most valuable thing. Nice. I was actually going to get into the, where we met with Hef in a little bit. Um, okay. You said something else that, that triggered a thought. Um, you said early on you were talking a lot about sex. and um, You had to tone, I guess, your personality down. Talk about like, mm-hmm. the, like the beginnings of your sexual journey and what got you interested in how you were exploring that? Um, well, the beginning of my sexual journey, <laughs> it started um, in childhood. I've always been a super sexual person. Um, I like masturbated young. I loved watch. I feel like I was a porn addict in like fifth and sixth grade for a point, like really young um, looking back. And I would say just, um, being really ridiculed, being called a hoe, being called all these names and like the stigma that comes from being sex positive, that really started to wear down on me um, towards the later end of high school and like the time before college, just because like I wasn't even a hoe yet. Like <laughs> I wasn't even doing hoe shit and I, I was being called a hoe. So it's like, it's one thing if you're doing something and people call you names for it and you're like, whatever. But like when you're really innocent and like people are like, labeling you as something that you're not it just can become very frustrating and so like 
I cared what people thought and I didn't want that kind of label and like I didn't even understand what that label meant I just knew like I'm not even out here having sex like literally never had sex so I would say like once I just started having sex with more people and I was like you know what like this is it's nothing to be ashamed about like I had all these worries of being called stuff but if they called me that when I when I wasn't really doing anything then like clearly they just clearly people are just stupid and everybody should just do what they want so um but I don't really know when like I, I don't have um I guess like markers in my head of like when these transitions happen but I would just say like maturity and like self-acceptance that's just like a journey that it goes up and down too, you know, you don't just automatically be like, oh yeah, I'm completely comfortable doing this now all the time. Then you might have a couple of moments where you're like, ooh, do I want to do this? Or am I okay with being perceived that way? Like, it's not linear either, you know, it just goes up and down sometimes. But um, just know, staying true to who you are, just really meditating and knowing like, okay, I know my spirit wants this. Like, I know this is the type of person that I am. Like, I know when I was freaking three years old, like, I wanted to be a stripper, and I've been masturbating since I was five, so why am I, like, being conditioned to be ashamed of these things, like, in my adult life, you know, it just doesn't even make sense, like, align with yourself, and just know, like, what type of person are you, and as long as you're being true to yourself, like, it doesn't really matter what other people think. I totally agree with that, I mean, one of the things that's always been frustrating, and sort of interesting to me, um, because you and I are very similar in a lot of ways, uh, was that you know we started sexual play in elementary school and there was always this double standard that was like ironic and annoying it was like you know the guys wanted to play with the girls the girls wanted to be played with but the minute uh anything happened or it was entertained it was like the girl took the shit into the stick and got talked about Mm-hmm. you know and there was like this on one side of things there's this fear of getting in trouble or being labeled but there's also this desire of really being curious and wanting to explore and wanting to have like a safe space to to do that especially going through those changes did you um do you agree with me on that like do mm-hmm. you sort of what you saw and kind of how you perceive what precisely yeah I, def- I definitely noticed a double standard for sure like a hundred percent a hundred hundred percent like I don't know it, it's frustrating because I feel like we should be more grateful for those spaces when we get the opportunity to try or explore or have someone that trusts us to um, play or try things, you know, and, and mm-hmm. give that space so that you can figure it out or you can see what you like. Um, and I think that's important in like all aspects and all levels of pleasure and play and enjoyment in life. Like you never know what you're gonna like and who you're gonna like and what could be adventurous unless you try or if you talk about it. And that was a big reason why I wanted to Uh, start this platform because um, I had to hide my nude work as a photographer professional photographer for 
I would say the first six years of my career. Um, oh, wow. Simply because working in television, there are, this, there are these weird standards and stigmas. Like, they will look at nudity like, almost like you're shooting porn, even if you're not shooting porn, even if you're mm-hmm. just doesn't have that uh, look or feel to it on one side. Mm-hmm. When you show people stuff or mm-hmm. you tell people, I, you know, you do this, they automatically think one way. But I've done so many music videos. I've done so many award shows, that kind of thing, where there's a body painted model, fully nude, walking around. But it was like, right. it, but that was okay for that video because it, it was a video. But showing mm-hmm. that, oh, I, I do this as a body of work, was like people didn't know how to take that so yeah. I often hit it and um I didn't really have a voice for it for a long time and what I noticed during that time process or that time period was that um so many people have like desires to want to do things but they're more caught up in the appearance of the situation how's my spouse going to think about it Am I going to be able to work? Um, mm-hmm. Will I uh, feel the same way or like the way I look? So there are all these insecurities that I feel like are external uh, insecurities based on society or other people's perception. Um, it's true. What do you think? And especially because I think we both grew up in the conservative South. Mm-hmm. I was in Atlanta, um, but still, it's, it was still the conservative South in a lot of ways. It's not like it is now. Right. Um, being in the conservative South, knowing that you're sex positive and um, body positive, even from a young age, and being misunderstood, um, how did you? find confidence to continue pursuing being yourself instead of shutting down. Because most people, I think, would maybe shut down because of the environment. Well, I would say I still don't even feel like I'm 100% myself because I think if I was 100% myself, I would be a porn star, like, full on right now. Mm -hmm. So... I obviously I still have reservations um, and I still have things to work through as far as not being concerned of, I guess, the consequences of being a sex worker. Um, I feel like to me or to, to a lot of people that actually are in the industry, we understand the differences between stripping and camming and escorting and sugaring and all these different things. But to the outside, like, once you already do one of those things to them, you're already basically like you're thrown away. So they see you're stripping to them. That's porn. You know what I mean? Like they see you with a sub and like, they see you with a sugar daddy and they see like people are so uneducated on it on -hmm. different forms of sex work to the point where it's like, once you already are in one Avenue of it, like (laughs) you honestly might as well just do whatever you want to freaking do. Um, or at least that's been like what I've seen on it. Cause I've talked to my friends, like before I started my OnlyFans, 
you know, I was a little nervous about it because stripping is cool and all, but um, most of the clubs that I've worked at, people can't even record you. So you can really be a stripper and no one ever know that you were ever a stripper. But once you start selling pictures and videos, then obviously, you know, that's there forever. And so like, I was super nervous about it. I was talking to friends and my friends were like, Emily, like, if I saw you on Pornhub, I would not be surprised. And I was like, what? Are you serious? <laughs> and my friend was like, yeah, like, I mean, like, people already think you do that shit anyway. And I'm like, what? Y'all think that? Like, <laughs> yeah. like, here I am thinking I'm being like a conservative, like, slash, you know, like, modestly, like, walking the tightrope when really it's like, no, like, no one really sees you as that, you the know? The tightrope, you're already on the deep end? <laughs> Yeah, like. <laughs> so early. So, I mean, yeah. <laughs> you said something important there. Um, we've already sort of distinguished a little bit the difference between go-go dancing and stripping. Go ahead and like educate us a little bit on the the different nuances of, um, as you were talking about, like camming and sugaring. Okay, so I mean, there's just like, so I, I don't know the textbook definition of sex work, but I consider it like work not only selling sex because one of my exes she was like you're not a sex worker you're a stripper you don't have sex with people sex work doesn't necessarily mean you're having sex with someone sex work means that you might be selling the fantasy of sex or alluding to the act of sex or just basically doing work that you can benefit off of your sex appeal from so like sugaring and being a sugar baby is considered sex work because you have this old man who no doubt wants to sleep with you, whether you're sleeping with him or not. He's probably thinking about it or get, he's getting off in some type of way by having this relationship with you. So there's sugaring and sugar, being a sugar baby where you have someone giving you allowance or paying you per date um, and you may or may not sleep with this person. Um, there's camming, which is becoming super popular now with um, the shutdown. And um, you can do that on different camming sites that are for porn, but then also people do them on like gaming sites like Twitch and Bego. I think it's called Bego. Um, I don't have any experience in camming. I don't really know much about it, um, but I think it's pretty dope. I'm not against it. I would like to learn, you know, how to get in on that more money. Um, but you have OnlyFans, which is just like a way for anyone to monetize their following. You don't have to do porn on OnlyFans. Although it's a great place to do porn independently, I feel like. Um, what else did I say? Um, of course, there's like BDSM and being a dom or a sub and all these different cool ways to be kinky and display your need for domination or submission. Um, but all these different things, I feel like, like I said, once you're doing one of them, it's like, people, the general society is already going to find a way to judge you because taking advantage and like making money off of being a sexual being, like, I feel like that's something that everyone deep down, like would love to do. Like as much as we all love having sex, like you mean to tell me if someone wanted to give you $5,000 to have sex with them, like you wouldn't do it. Like you would be like, oh yeah, like, you know, I'm already going to have sex with you anyway. You want to give me some money? Sure. Like people get married because they want to have like financial security. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I don't understand why it's, well, I understand why it's so frowned upon. And I think that is because deep down people want to do it. Like the things that people judge the most are usually things that they're curious about or they feel like they have to suppress in themselves. So sex 
work is just like generally frowned upon because most of the general population would love to make money those ways. They just remain uneducated on it. And it's just easier to say like, oh, I have a real job. I work hard for my money. Like, okay. <laughs> I mean, a part of that is yeah, <laughs> like, a part of that is brainwashing though. Um, mm -hmm. There was an um, interesting saying. Uh, when the Native Americans first met the pilgrims, the pilgrims tried to buy the land. They said, I can't sell you something that's not mine, right? Because all they did was they worked the land during the day and at night they had sex. They had no uh, fundamental idea or aspect of money mm -hmm. or needing to pay for services and goods from each other. They shared mm -hmm. So it was like, this thought process that you have to work hard for the things in life that you should naturally be able to enjoy is something that is really more indicative of the capitalistic society. Yeah. Uh, not so much um, the way we've all been um, naturally built. You know? Yeah, it's perfect. Yeah, it reminds me of um, one of the most awkward moments that I've had in the strip club was this girl, <clears throat> she was gorgeous, gorgeous girl. She came in there. Um, I was actually working in Miami for Art Basel weekend. And she was from Paris by way of Ghana. So we had a lot in common. Like when she said, she, like, we, we both were Ghanaian, which was crazy. Um, but we were chatting for such a long time. She was so beautiful. And I was like, I had met my goal for the night. I knew they weren't going to give me no money, but I was just like really interested in talking to her and getting to know about what she does. And then it just got really annoying because she kept asking me so many questions and she was like, you know, so what do you want to do with your life? And what are your plans and all this stuff? And then she was like, you know, I'm just so interested because it's just, I could never do this. Like I respect it so much and I think it's so cool, but I could just never do it. And like, in that moment, I was really entertaining her. But then later on, the more I thought about our conversation, I just got so pissed off because I was like, would you go out to eat? And as your waiter is waiting on you, just stop your waitress and just be like, you know, I really respect you because I could not do this job. Like, there's just no way I could do this. Like, I don't know how you do it. Like, while someone is waiting on you, while someone is providing a service, like, would you do that? And like people always just like feel the need to ask strippers what their dreams are or what, or what they're doing with their money or giving them advice. And it's like, bro, like people have no fucking respect. Like you would not go, if you could meet someone tomorrow. So I don't know what happened, but my phone is um, dying. But you could meet someone tomorrow that's like whatever profession they have. And do you ask them how much money they make? No, but when you tell someone you're a stripper, the first thing they're like is, oh my gosh, so like, do you make good money? Like, what's the most you ever made in one night? Like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> like, it's just like so disrespectful. Like, I hate that. And like to, and people think they're being like, people think it's cute and they think they're giving you a compliment, but like, they're not. Yeah, I could imagine. And it's dangerous. I mean, you think about, you know, you're handling lots of cash, you know, it's a cash business. Um, mm -hmm. They know when you leave, quote unquote, when the club closes. I mean, like, there, there's a, a lot of safety things that could be, you know, 
an issue with certain lines of questioning, you know, when it comes right. to how you address um, workers in that industry. I mean, that, that goes for waiters, waitresses, part, like all the, all the people that work in the industry where you're serving, you're dealing with late nights, you're dealing with not mm-hmm. fully um, functional, functional people because we know that they're you out. get drunk, you're gonna get high, you're, you're, you know, there's all this usage. Um, mm-hmm. So I mean, I, I could see how that's one partially disrespectful, but two also like unnerving because you don't know what their intentions are behind certain lines yeah. of questioning. Um, so while you're at the club or doing events or modeling you're typically in different stages of like undress or you're in costumes in your personal life i see you in your robe right now are you the same way are you like an exhibitionist in that style or a naturalist in that style or are you a little bit more conservative at home you know, it's so funny. Like, I've noticed the difference. Because um, although I've been dancing about three years now, the first two years, it was very on and off, right? So I might work one weekend or two weekends or work for a couple weeks, and then I would take anywhere from a month to six months off. So I was very sporadic. And during those times, I'm, I've always I've always loved attention since a kid. I've always been um, an exhibitionist in different types of ways. So I've always been the person in the summertime, like I'm wearing skinsy clad dresses, like shorts, you know, I want people to turn heads. And when I first started dancing, I was still like that. But now that I dance like majority of the week, I've noticed like I almost want to repel any kind of sexual attention when I'm not at work because it's like, okay, you know, I work, when I work at the club, I usually work day and night. I usually work about 40 hours a week at the club. So it's like, okay, I'm working full-time at the club, being gawked at and stared at and lusted over. So like when I go to Walmart right now, like I'm going to look like a hobo (laughs) because I just don't even want to be seen. I don't want to be talked to. Like I generally dress like a bum, like honestly, (laughs) at this point, Um, I only do my makeup when it's for the club. Like I did my makeup today because we've been in quarantine for like, what, three weeks now and... I'm like, okay, I need to at least make some YouTube videos or do something to keep myself busy. So I've tried to like make myself do my makeup and stuff, like just to sit around the house. But like, if the world wasn't turning normally right now, (laughs) the only time you would see me like getting cute is to go to work. And then other than that, like I'm bumming it, like straight bumming it. Mm -hmm. So how has that affected um, your personal relationships and your sex life? Because naturally, (laughs) like I said, you're being sexy for uh, people on demand, quote unquote. So, what mm-hmm. is that? Now that you're, you got this off switch. Like, how mm-hmm. do you in that aspect? You know, it really has affected my relationships. Like, that's such a good question because um, that was one of the biggest problems in my last relationship, uh, outside of like fundamental issues like trust and maturity. Um, <laughs> but definitely, like, there was times like. Or my ex-girlfriend would get so mad at me because she'd be like, oh, you posted this picture on Instagram. How come you don't send me pictures like this? Or, oh, you're posting this picture. Like, she would always get mad that I would post, like, sexy pictures on Instagram or whatever, but I wouldn't send them to her. 
And then she would get mad, like, that I never wanted to dance for her. Like, she used to bitch complain, like, because, like, say we would go drink, we would drink, like, go out drinking, and while we were out drinking, she'd be like, oh, I want you to dance for me. And I'd be like, okay, when we got home, I'm like, I got you. And then we'd get home, and we would just fuck or go to sleep or something. So it would end up that, like, I never gave her this dance that she wanted. And, like, I just remember one time, like, we had, like, a three-day argument because... <laughs> Like, I, because I don't dance for her. And I'm like, first of all, like, do you want me to treat you like a customer? Like, do you want me to treat you like a trick? Or do you want me to treat you like my girlfriend? You know what I mean? Like, I can't, like, I understand. But at the same time, it's like, you got me. So, I mean, you see me naked all day, every day walking around the house. So, like, you need me to start dancing for you. You need a lap dance. Like, I just don't get it. So, it has caused issues. And I see how it could be a problem because, like, yeah, I don't want to be over overly sexualized in my personal relationships. Like, my job is to be overly sexualized. So, like, when I'm with you, like, I want you to think I'm sexy, like, being a bum. <laughs> I get that. That's that's such a two-sided coin because yeah. when you're, especially when you're an entertainer of any, any caliber of any sort, it's very difficult um, for someone who is not in the business to understand that that is very much a part of your personality, but it's also become a persona that you have to wear. Um, early in my career, like I modeled. Didn't really like it. Actually, I have mixed feelings about it. I like modeling, but I don't like being told what to do in certain aspects. I like being able to express myself. Mm -hmm. um, but when you go out or like you, you're using the example of uh, going out dancing or going for drinks, um, there are just certain things that you do that are your profession that no longer become fun in your personal mm -hmm. life. Like my biggest pet peeve is when I go to somewhere, I'm at a bar and I know I'm good and drunk. And then I get that one person that's in our group or that just met us and hang out and they say, you're the photographer, take the picture of us. <laughs> that's when you take the shittiest photo you can take of them. <laughs> oh, that's, yeah, that's, you know, the steam literally comes out of my ear because it's like, <laughs> I'm not at work. Right. I do love what I do. I do enjoy shooting. Right. But... You know, that's like when you invite your cousin who's an accountant to the barbecue and then you say, yo, why you make, eat that plate? Do my taxes for me. Like, <laughs> right. The same kind of, it's the same kind of thing. But I don't I don't, I don't feel that uh, the average person equates it that way. Right. So I mean, because I, anyone like you said, anyone that's not in the industry or not even in the industry, but anyone that's not a freelancer or like self-employed would not really understand. Because in their mind, they go to work, they clock out, and then they're not at work. But for us, like, we're at work pretty much anytime someone asks us for some work. <laughs> we're at work when we walk into the bar, we start having a conversation that you thought was friendly, and then you find out there's some type of business. Yep, opportunity or something. Opportunity that could stem from this, and now I'm not at the bar having a drink anymore. I'm now mm -hmm. in an impromptu meeting for whatever my next business deal could be so yeah. there's never really a, a true off switch when mm -hmm. we get to go in public because there's always uh 
Opportunities everywhere. Opportunity, or if you're a known face in your area, there's always someone who recognizes you and expects a certain thing of you or wants a certain thing of you. And it can be really difficult for like contractors and entertainers and performers. And I don't think it's talked about enough or appreciated enough. We say it for like large celebrities when we talk about like um, scandals, mm-hmm. like tabloids following them, but we don't think about it on the, the day-to-day level. Mm-hmm. So naturally working in clubs and parties and events, there are like crazy wild nights. Like the wild nights are like regular nights. And then the really crazy nights are like the stories from fucking movies. (laughs) (laughs) Give me Oh my God. One of your memorable movie moments. One of my most memorable movie moments. Um, <laughs> you know, I have not told anyone this story. Um, outside of, like, my, my cousin. Because when I come home from my crazy trips, I tell her everything. Um, so, one of the craziest nights... <laughs> okay, we'll tell this story on here. So, um, basically, so in Miami, uh, for those of you that don't know, the strip clubs there are, let's just say, very liberal um about what they allowed to go on in the strip clubs so um it goes down in Miami strip clubs people definitely can go there and get their full service sex works need fulfilled your hand jobs your blow jobs your fucking whatever you need um most of the clubs down there do allow it they turn a blind eye to it right and I've known this you know from working down there and although I'm not a full service sex worker I found ways to you know still make money doing my due and one night I'm working at this club in Miami. I'm not going to say the name, but I'm working at this club and I'm dancing and I glance over and I see this guy who looks like so like, just like this guy that I know that I've slept with plenty of times. Great, great, great sex. And I'm just like, is that him? Like, nah, it's not him. But I do know he lives in Miami sometimes. So I'm like, or he's in Miami a lot. So I'm like, okay. I just like, Whatever. So then I look over again and I see a guy that's not him, but has the same aesthetic. So then I was like, okay, I'm tripping. But then I walk over there and I see that there's two people. So there's one that is the guy who I thought it was. And then like someone with his aesthetic. So that's why I was like far away, confused as shit. So I walked up to him and I'm like, oh my gosh, like we give each other this crazy hug. And like, mind you, I'm working. So like, I'm basically naked and we're just like, just like completely vibing like instantly horny when we see each other like we just have that kind of attraction like we see each other and it's like on site so I'm like oh my gosh so of course me like I'm like you want to dance or whatever like trying to sell a dance but then in the back of my mind I'm like he don't want no dance like he's not gonna get a dance he wants to leave and fuck and he's like I'm gonna dance let's go I'm like okay so I'm taking it to the back and let's just say we started doing a lot more than dancing (laughs) and like so like there's there's two rooms in the club so there's like um there's two options for selling a dance at the club so you have the private rooms which are like maybe a couple hundred dollars and I'm not sure how much they are but you give the club like 70 dollars I think 
to, to dance there, but there's beds, like you're not dancing there. And then there's like actual dance section, like for like just curtain dances, like five, however many dollars a song it is to be back there dancing. And so like me being like so used to not selling the rooms, like I'm like, let's go do a dance. So we go to the dance area, which really we should have just went to the private room area because we would have been good. But we were in the dance area fucking. <laughs> and like a bouncer comes and you know, it's Miami, so it's nothing but Spanish. So he, this bouncer comes and he pulls the curtain and he sees us and he just starts screaming in Spanish. And then he goes and like, it's another bouncer. And like, mind you, like my dude, like he's got like, he's got a, a pretty good profession. So he's like scared as shit. Like he throws on his clothes real quick and he's just like freaking out. And then the guy, the bouncers come back after like screaming all this shit in Spanish and he comes back and he's like $70. And I look and I'm like, cause we think we're going to jail. Like, you know, like we're like, <laughs> we're like so scared. And like, and the bouncer's just like $70, you can finish. And I was like, what? And like, I just see like, he handed him like a ball of fifties, like probably gave him like 150, $200 to just get the bouncer out of his face. Cause he was just so scared. And like the bouncer closed the curtain and like was gonna let us finish. And like, we're both scared out of our minds. Like we are not trying to finish right now. Like he's like all dressed up. He had me a handful of money. I'm like, what the fuck? Like what just happened? That's funny. <laughs> That's so yeah, I, I whole life fucked in a Miami strip club, but <laughs> it's, not what, it's not what someone may think, man. You gotta hear the whole story. Oh no, it's a great so story. <laughs> that's a great story and i mean let's let's be honest that's happening in regular clubs <laughs> for real <laughs> for I'm real that in regular clubs so we can't even we can't even put that on just the strip club that's that's right. living life young and wild and free um well, you know, I'm, I'm like not a public sex person though so like yeah. if i'm out with like my girlfriend or boyfriend and like they're trying to fuck like at the bar like i'm gonna be terrified like it's not happening like i'm like the type of person like if I'm scared of getting caught, like my vagina is just gonna like close up. Like oh, it's really? not happening. Yeah, I can't do public sex. I'm way too scared of getting caught. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's interesting. It's kind of either either or. It's like you either really get off on the, the thought of almost getting caught or yeah. it's like detrimentally scary. Yeah, exactly. And I'm just like, these people that get off from it, like, I don't know, they must have never been caught bad enough. <laughs> I've been caught pretty bad and I still enjoy it. Really? Yeah. I've had some I've had some situations in life. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'd love to hear those stories. <laughs> um I was still living with my parents when I was uh my first year, year and a half of college. I I'll tell this one because it was so long ago. But um The statute of limitations is statute right of limitations. <laughs> so but it's a good one. It's a good one. But um I was uh Living with my parents, I have two much younger siblings. So when I say like nothing went down at my house, nothing went down at my house, mm -hmm. which is um, I think how this process started to work for me because it was always I had to go sneak somewhere to find somewhere to play with whoever my partner was at that time. Um, anyway, um, I was driving home or riding home with uh the girl I was dating in college at the time and before we got to my place 
we decided to stop in a park behind a grocery store that looked mostly empty. And I mean, you talk, you know, South Carolina, like North Carolina, you, you're in the woods. Like it yeah. just might be just a store and you're just looking for a parking lot to go mm-hmm. do your thing and keep it moving. So we're in the front seat going to work and short version, a car pulls up behind us. It's a cop car. And he turns on his lights and he just sits there. And we're kind of going and we see the cop and oh shit. And literally, Wait, so y'all didn't even notice they pulled up on you? Not at first, because I mean, but they, because he pulls up and he sits and then he turns the lights on. Cause I mean, we're, we're getting to it. So short version, he waits like five minutes before he walks. He's probably jacking off. Waits five minutes before he walks up to the car, and he walks up to my side, and because um, we're on the passenger side, and she's like, you know, knocks on the window. Hey, what's what's going on here? Nothing. <laughs> Looks like y'all are uh, having. Some, you know, I'm still trying to like struggle to put my pants on and stuff. And um, he's like, oh, it looks like y'all are up to no good. Um, I'm, I'm get your ID. So he looks. He sees I'm like 19. She's like 21. And he's like, oh, you like him older? And I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Is he really? <laughs> I mean, he's, like, heckling me, like, while we're sitting here scared for our life. And he says, oh, well, you know, we, we patrol behind, you know, these areas behind stores and stuff to make sure people are up to no good, you know. Y'all were up to no good, but not the kind of up to no good I'm looking for. So, uh, <laughs> I to go next time and, you know, get out of here. But I remember that was just one of those moments when I was like, Oh, you got lucky. <laughs> I got lucky. He let us off. No. <laughs> but, you know, that was one of those moments I was like, Oh my God. <laughs> Is it over? See, that's why, but see, that's why you're still okay doing it because you got off, man. You got off easy. Now you're like, Okay, look, the, the sex gods have blessed me and they will protect me. <laughs> Oh, I mean, I won't. I won't try it in those type of spaces, but I'll. I'll still definitely um, take a risk, <laughs> a calculated risk here or there. Risk it for the biscuit. <laughs> risk it for the biscuit. <laughs> <laughs> so, you've uh, mentioned, you know, that you've had girlfriends, you've had boyfriends, or guys that you deal with. Talk about like that side of the journey and like, what is it? What is it like as the dancer or the performer? How do you deal with your attractions and that type of stuff? Um, or the sexual, you know, the sexual journey with, you know, how you identify and then how you deal with that um, in the workspace. Well, you know, working around a bunch of beautiful half naked women is like, the greatest job ever. Uh, <laughs> I'm like always at work, like thinking about who my next wife is gonna be, or like staring at the girls on stage. Like it can be almost a hindrance sometimes. I have to snap out of it and be like, girl, like stop staring at these girls, talk to these customers. Um, so that part of it is fun, but I would say honestly, with relationships in general, like I just don't really do them too well. I feel like it's really. In my experience, it's been hard for me to have a relationship go far with what I do. 
um, I've dated people and like started little situationships and then like I just see it never materialize and a lot of the times it is because of what I do not even necessarily about trust or or anything like that but just like people just don't want to be associated with the stigma that comes with it so um definitely have avoided relationships and kind of much kind of pretty much vowed to just avoid them until I'm like done being uh, an entertainer and like as I move on to other ventures or do other things then like maybe I'll pursue a relationship now of course if someone just fell out the sky that I just knew was meant for me and they accepted me then cool but like working towards something and trying to calm someone's fear over like what I do like I just don't have time for it like I need someone probably going to end up with someone that's like in the industry somehow I feel like that's going to be like the easiest way but even that isn't a promise I don't know relationships are just so you know complicated but yeah I mean I don't feel like being bi necessarily has changed has like affected how I work or anything like that but I would say I think being with a woman would probably be easier than being with a man right now <laughs> um even though my last relationship was with a woman and it wasn't the best it didn't work out the greatest but even still I feel like a woman would have a little bit more understanding of um the type of hustle that I have speaking of hustle there are I guess two types of I guess archetypes when you talk about adult entertainers right there is the hustler like you see in Players Club? Uh-huh. Still there? <clears throat> yeah. There's the hustler like you see in Players Club. Mm-hmm. And then there is sort of like that damaged person who's found their way into this industry um, through whatever means that they've gotten there. Do you mm-hmm. feel like that is an accurate depiction? Or do you think there's a bit more nuance to? Um, I think that there there is a bit of truth to that. Um, and I don't think a person has to stay a victim or they have to stay. Um, for whatever reason, you end up in the industry, right? You don't have to stick with that archetype. You don't have to stay that type of um, person. A lot of girls, they might get into dancing because it was a last resort, but once they get on their feet, um, they continue to dance and make money and use it in proper ways and invest it and stuff and use it as a stepping stone. So, but I do think, yeah, you know, there's definitely two worlds. There's two sides to every world and definitely with the exotic entertainment industry, it's like, okay, you have girls that are there because they have absolutely nothing. You have girls that are there because pimps are making them come in. And then you also have girls that are like, you know, doing big things, like literally doing big things. And this is like a side hustle to them or a means to an end. Um, but definitely, I think everyone can have a happy ending with, with dancing. Um, hey. Yeah, I think everyone can have a happy ending. But definitely, you know, there are people that are victims and that's like the sad part of it. And I think everyone just being more educated on the signs would be, would be the best thing. Like, don't you wish you could sleep on clouds? Well, now you can with Art of Skywind's decor collection. Imagine diving into a warm, soft bed covered in beautiful heavenly clouds 
captured just for you by the sky himself. Well, go to artofskywind.com and get yours so you can sleep from cloud nine to 69. Make the love last longer by signing up and subscribing to the Love That Body Patreon page at patreon.com backslash love that body. You'll have access to behind the scenes footage, workshops, and sexy extras you won't want to miss. Sign up at patreon.com backslash love thy body. I know every club that I've worked in, you know, they have a poster up about sex trafficking and like watching the signs and stuff. And like me personally, I've worked in a lot of clubs and there's never been a, I've never met a girl that I felt like was being held there against her will that I needed to reach out about. But if I ever did experience that, then I would, you know, definitely try to reach out to her or do my part. But I've been fortunate enough to be around a lot of women who were bosses and like were just there to make extra money or um, provide for their families. But they were there because they wanted to be and they were maybe not super ecstatic about it, but they would rather be there than at a nine to five, put it that way. So talk a little bit about like the emotional intelligence that it takes to do what you do. Because I'm, uh, we talked a little bit earlier about like some of the dangers, but I mean, overall, like what do you, when you're walking into any of these situations, you know, what are some of the things that it takes to really be on top of your game and be aware of um you, you really have to you have to be able to separate with any job with any job you have you have to be able to right to separate um i'll have cookies in my mouth this whole time i'll smash these cookies but <laughs> um you have to be able to with any job separate work from home right and i feel like at the club you not only have to separate work from home but you have to separate compartmentalize all your emotions because when you get to work like you're not, I won't say you're not going to make money, but the philosophy that I teach is you don't make money being the sad girl. You don't make money being the girl that needs help or like that needs help that doesn't have money for her rent tomorrow. Like being the begging girl in the club or the sad girl or the girl with issues, like that might be, that might be some girl's hustles. Like some girl that might be her hustle and she makes pity money all night. But for me and like most of the successful dancers I see, they're upbeat, they're happy, they're fun. They're like the manic pixie dream girl, like perfect, having a good time, not like there to talk about their problems. If anything, they're there to listen to the customer's problems and make his problems better. So as far as like emotional intelligence, I mean, you 100% have to like be able to go into work with the mindset that, okay, I got shit going on. But while I'm here, I'm here to attract as much money from people as possible. I'm going to show them a good time, make them feel good. And like, it's a service. Like I don't go into the strip club, like trying to scam men or trying to take advantage of men. I'm going there trying to provide a service for them. And I feel like that's how you're going to make the most money is like seeing it as what, seeing it as an exchange and know that's how you're going to be able to know your worth and charge whatever your price and not feel bad about it. Because you know, at the end of the day, that you're providing a service for them and you're cutting off your emotions for them. You're doing a lot of shit for them to earn their money. So just like leave your emotions at the door. There's a, there's actually a phrase um, 
the a lot of the strip a popular stripper shoe brand is called pleasers and people say pleasers on feelings off <laughs> so when you put your pleasers on your feelings are off and that's not even just like stuff that you might have going on at home but also stuff that might happen in the club right like people might say say shit to you that hurts your feelings people might like i've had people i've cried at the club a couple times like I don't know a stripper that will, if a stripper tells you she's never got sad at the club and maybe even broke a tear at the club, like she's probably not working enough because there's going to be a night like, or a day or a moment where like either you're just not making money and you're frustrated with yourself or somebody says something or does something to you that makes you so mad that like you want to break down and like you can't, like you can give yourself a second, but you can't ruin your night over this one thing. So definitely being able to control your emotions is like a huge, huge part of dancing and like turning them off when you need to. Um, and then just doing a lot of self-care outside of work, like at the end of your shift and in your off time, like you have to be refilling your cup for sure. How do you refill your cup? Um, meditating. That's like the number one way I meditate. I listen to a lot of um, different YouTube um like things on attracting abundance like i sleep to different frequencies that's number one i would say sleep frequencies that's like the easiest way so when you go to sleep you've got whatever megahertz you want to find on youtube because i don't know all the different ones for what they do but different frequencies have different healing components so i'll try to find one that's like on um releasing releasing fear guilt and shame attracting abundance like just listening to different frequencies in your sleep I feel like it's just like an easy no-brainer subconscious way um but then I also will try to meditate I don't meditate every day unfortunately I really should but when I'm working a lot I take extra time to meditate because I know like you don't chase the money you attract the money and to attract the money you have to be on alignment so by meditating and like releasing different things that people may have like, I feel like things get attached to you that you don't even realize spiritually. So you have to release these things or they can really weigh you down. And I feel like in the club with people drinking alcohol, like there's so, it's so easy. You're in an environment where spirits can attach to you. I don't want to get too deep, but like, I feel like you're in an in environment where spirits can attach to you, you know? So... <laughs> So you want to um, you want to be cleansing yourself. Um, sage, Palo Santo, spiritual baths. I mean, these are all different things in rotation to add to your routine so that you're not like super drained um, from giving people your energy and talking to people, talking to your friends, telling them shit because a lot of stuff happens in the club and people put their problems on you. So you need to have someone that you can like dump with as well. I dig that. Talk about like the physical self-care. Cause I mean, I'm not sure. Now you said you went to New York and they was, they was barely dancing up there, but <laughs> you know, down here in Atlanta, uh, exotic dancing is, uh, it's, a sport. it's an it's Olympic sport. sport. It's an Olympic sport. Okay. So tell me how you or a dancer that wants to work in these big markets like Atlanta and Miami, how they should, um, train or work out or do self-care because there has to be injuries there has to be you know wear and tear on the body mm -hmm. um, there has to be you know constant maintenance like talk about that process and what that's like and how it feels because i have dancer mm -hmm. friends that say like they leave for the end of the night and they feel like they've been hit by a bus 
Yeah, um, you definitely have to, you will get a lot of wear and tear on your body and you'll notice it quick. If you just, when you first start dancing, you're going to have bruises every night. I mean, now I'm at the point where I, I've learned ways to avoid bruising as much as possible, but there's still going to be times where you land wrong or you're on your knee wrong, or you're just doing something that your body does not want to be doing in the wrong position. And I would say like, <clears throat> I mean, shit, for the most part, you just got to get used to it. Like, you have to just get tough. Um, I mean, take Epsom salt baths, obviously. Just take take nice baths. Do things that athletes would do. But I don't really go too much out of the way. Like, I don't ice my bruises or anything like that. Like, I just kind of roll with the punches and let things self-heal. Um, but maintenance, I mean, obviously, you have to keep your nails and feet done. Like, you just gotta keep your nails and feet done you don't have to have them long you don't have to have them colorful or crazy but keeping them like neat and manicured um that's something that when I'm dancing consistently like I can't fall off on like I don't want to be that guy, that girl trying to convince a guy to get a thousand dollar room but my nail is like broken like you don't seem expensive you know when you don't have certain um maintenance things kept up so I would say like keeping your appearance um, well maintained, um, just in the form of like having your nails and feet done, um, having your hair done right for work. I don't care what you do when you're not at work, but you know, looking presentable at work. I mean, working out, dancing is a workout on its own. So if you work out, like if you're naturally fit and you're dancing four nights a week, like you probably don't even need to work out, but just staying in shape in general, whatever that looks like to you. Cause I'm very blessed. Like I think my mom all the time, like <laughs> I've like naturally like don't have to work out unless I want to, then okay, I'll get a little pump fake, but I don't really have to work out. My skin is like, I'm just blessed for my mom, but <laughs> for real, but like, yeah, you know, moisturize, do all the things like that you should do for like proper hygiene and like maintenance it's pretty much the same for dancing. Um, just make sure you're taking care of like any bruises or scrapes you have too. So I definitely agree with that. Um, I think what's also interesting though, uh, as a dancer, I'm a b-boy um, and hip hop dancer. Ooh. Like there, there's a, a level of training that you still have to do and mm -hmm. still have to stay up on so that you can like maintain those moves or do them bigger, faster. Um, the two things that I'm thinking about right now are the dexterity in the hands and the feet, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Talk about like, cause I mean, you're doing what, hours? How many hours a night on a pole, mm -hmm. you know, doing that and on your feet? What does, uh? what do you do to keep like your hands soft or keep those calluses and bruises and that in those areas? Because that's not something that you really, that's daily maintenance. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I always say like, honestly, so depending on the club you're at, you might not have so much stage time to the point where you start to get calluses and things like that. Um, your feet though, for sure. Like from wearing dancer shoes, your feet are going to start to get jacked up. Like you will get like, bunions and calluses and like I have pretty feet like I love my feet and there's been times like from dancing so much that 
I'm like looking at my foot, like, oh my gosh, like my ba- my precious feet, like they're getting fucked up from this. <laughs> so, um, like I said, like really just keeping do it, keeping up with pedicures or doing it yourself at home, like your hands should be fine. You shouldn't have too many problems with your hands, but definitely your feet take a lot of maintenance in this profession. If you're working a lot, like if you working sporadically, then maybe not. But if you're wearing heels like four or five times a week. Um, you definitely need to be um, maintaining your feet and also go to the chiropractor. I forgot to mention that, but like, I love my chiropractor. Like I found one that like, if he asked me to marry him, I'd be like, I will marry you. Just crack my back. <laughs> Twice a day. You might see this and take you up on that. Um. <laughs> That's like the best thing. Cause you, your body, like from wearing heels, I learned, um, or at least a meme taught me, I don't know how true this meme is, but a meme taught me that when you wear um, uh, heels for a certain amount of time, it, it heals like realigns your whole posture, right? So like your whole body, can be off of alignment just from wearing heels. And it was like saying, I think people that wear heels from like nine to 12 hours a week, not a day, but only a week, nine to 12 hours a week, wearing high heels is enough to mess up the alignment in your back. So just think how much we're on our, on our feet and wearing heels. Like, even if you're not a dancer, a lot of women wear heels a lot. So I think like definitely investing and in getting a good relationship with a chiropractor is probably one of the biggest physical maintenance things I would say outside of pedicures and manicures <laughs> while we're on this beauty subject um the other day you did a post um talking about uh not wearing your locks out and why you were chose to wear wigs um first I want to thank you for uh honoring me with your actual crown um mm-hmm. podcast <laughs> But uh, give people a little bit of an understanding uh, about hair and why performers wear wigs um, and what the representation of that is for you. Yeah, so, um, and this is like knowledge that I kind of just developed on my own, like wisdom that I had to learn the hard way. Um, So I grew my hair out, I started my locks in 2014 I want to say yeah 2014 I started my locks and um they had grown so long so beautiful but during that time I I did start working in the clubs and um last year so many crazy things were happening to me like it was like a domino effect of just different things different signs all at once and um I actually got arrested and I had my lock, my I had my locks long and beautiful, whatever. Number one, I feel like I was profiled. Um, one of the reasons I got arrested, I feel like, was because of my hair. But not only that, like while I was in jail, there was a bunch of girls, and like they were just laying with like their hair head on the floor, and like just being really nasty. And I was just thinking, like, bro, like, like I hope she washes her hair. But then I, my next thought was, well, she can wash her hair and get this shit out, but I have locks and locks um i feel like they really are hard to get all the way clean or at least mine were and like i'd had them for so long and i took good care of them and they were healthy and beautiful and strong and when i got nervous or had anxiety i would pick 
like lint out of my locks. Like that was my thing. Like I would start at the end of my lock and I would find a little piece of lint and I would pull it out and then it would become a train of lint. And I, I, something about sitting in that jail cell and seeing like their hair on the ground and then thinking about how like locks never really get really all the way clean. It made me feel like I wasn't spiritually clean. <laughs> Mm. like my mind took it not from like how dirty this room is but my I my mind kind of thought like okay you know think about all the stuff you've been through in the past couple years and think about all the emotions that you have felt and do you feel like that's still with you and like my answer was yes like immediately like I felt like my hair was holding on to so much shit that I've been through and I felt like and it had also held me back um a sidebar like i applied for a lot of different gentlemen's clubs with my locks and even though i would have them perfectly freshly retwisted long and beautiful curled whatever style like i would come in there looking like bomb and they would tell me no every time and i knew it was because of my hair like eventually i realized these white clubs do not want dreadlocks no matter how beautiful i am no matter how light-skinned i am dreadlocks are like rebellious and they don't like them so <clears throat> obviously after getting arrested I, I well not obviously but I did need a lot of money I needed a good lawyer so I had to save like a lot of money like almost 10 grand in a short amount of time to pay off my lawyer probably thinking I killed somebody or something but <laughs> I didn't do nothing that crazy but <laughs> I, I understand it's, it's easy to rack up weird charges and then yeah exactly. fees and all that kind of stuff yeah so it sounded, I mean, honestly, I could have killed someone for the amount of money I had to pay this guy, but, um, <laughs> but so I was like, you know, I need to kill it. I was like, when I got out of jail, less than 24 hours later, I cut off all my hair. And I said, like, not all of it, obviously, but I cut off most of my hair into a bob. And I told myself, like, this is like a fresh start. Like, number one, I felt like my locks were carrying so much negative energy. Number two, I felt like a lot of that energy came from the club. Mm. and um and so from that that point on I said you know what my hair is short now I can wear wigs I'm gonna go apply to these same clubs that denied me with my locks with my wig on and get hired which which by the way was super easy every club that denied me with my locks I re-auditioned and they hired me with my wig so that tells me that that they were judging me by my hair mm. they didn't want that look but then also like as I started to wear my wigs in the club I felt so much more like free in that I was a different person. Like my persona was amplified because my identity was concealed a little bit. So mm. it made me feel like number one, like, okay, people don't have access to the real me right now, which I like because I, when I'm at work, I'm not the dancer that like has a made up story and a fake name. Well, I have a dancer name, but like, I don't have a fake, identity that I give my clients or customers at the club I'm pretty real I'm pretty honest um, I keep myself safe I don't give out like too many details but you know I have no problem being open and being real with my customers mm -hmm. so like at that point if they know everything about me and they see my dreadlocks like they could really find me on the street they could you know it's just a lot more I feel like it's easier to find me because not everyone has dreadlocks right but like, but like now I wear my wig and I just feel like I can 100% like just relax, be free. And if they want to touch my hair, then they're touching a wig versus everyone constantly when I had my locks, like I didn't say, but when my locks were long, like the reason I felt like they were so like cursed almost from the club was because people would always touch them. Like 
people were obsessed with my hair. And so I just had so many energies go through my hair throughout the years. Like this time, like I'm way, way more protective of my energy because I don't just want locks because they're long and pretty. I want them because, you know, there's something special to me. And so, yeah, I feel like um, with going through all that and learning that on my own, I understand completely, completely now why so many entertainers probably choose to disguise themselves or wear um wear wigs because like your hair is that's your crown chakra like that's you know it's such a uh satellite to so many other realms i feel like into so many other um ideas and things so you really just want to be mindful of like who's coming into contact and who's like remembering your appearance based off that yeah that was a really, really long, long answer, but <laughs> uh, it, was, it was a perfect answer. I mean, there there's so many things in that that uh, one bring true for, I think for not just dancers but for people with long hair or alternative hairstyles that they don't intend to change. Uh, mm -hmm. I've been a long haired boy, a long hair since I was a long haired little boy, um, and it was something that in the conservative South and you know, my family was military and all that. They did not like that type of stuff. They didn't like me having long hair. They still don't like me having long hair, but they can't do anything about it now, you know? And so much of when you know you're good enough, but there is this barrier of entry. Uh, like you were saying, being able to know that you killed an audition but then for some reason not be accepted to find out that you're here or to know that you're qualified for a job or would be great in an environment, but because you don't fit what that culture says you should look like, uh, be it professional mm -hmm. or whatever, um, you miss an opportunity. And for people whom have an ability to just flip and change their hair or that fit in that status quo, they say, oh, just cut it. Just forget about it. Like, it's mm -hmm. a part of your identity that's important to you. Um, well, that's important to us because this isn't just a, a one-way thing. This is me talking to the people. Mm -hmm. You know, that part of our identity is important to us. And um, being able to freely be accepted as who we are is something that a lot of people um, lack that look like mm -hmm. us. You know, light skin, long hair. Um, there are a lot of stigmas um, of where you come from and what you should look like and how you should behave. And it's important to really shed light on the deeper levels of it's not just something mm -hmm. no it's not just something that you can discard or just treat like it's not a part of you so i appreciated your your long answer in that um, and i feel that more people need to hear it and hear it from as many different perspectives as they can so that they we can start changing um, the way that we look at it in culture because we can change the way the the legislation is but ultimately 
we have to change the way people see and perceive mm -hmm. before real change happens in a you know interpersonal level um earlier we talked a little bit or at least we mentioned that we met through hef at a conference um let's rewind a little bit and talk about like that part of the lifestyle so how did you connect with hef and really start making your way into the sexuality realm on that side so i met hef um about well i met hef like four years ago actually um through one of my best friends elise she's amazing um shout out to her but i met her through him and it was just a quick introduction um, i followed him on instagram after that but i didn't really know him that well and then um, we became closer, I guess, as I, after I moved to Charlotte. And um, he was always like, you know, I need you to come. Like, you need to come be a bunny. And, like, I'm just telling you, you need to come be a bunny. You'll love it. And I'm just like, what is a bunny? Like, what are you talking about? Like, and he, you know, he sells sex enhancement vitamins, and his logo is a bunny. So with all his events, he has these sexified bunnies that come with him and are, like, brand ambassadors and promote the brand. And so I started doing that with him a year and a half ago. I gave in and I went to my first um, Exotica, which is Exotica Miami. And it was amazing. And it opened my eyes to just like how much support that this community really does have. Before then, it just seemed way more taboo than inclusive. And now, like, especially after all this time I've spent um, going to different events like that with the team, I just realized now, like, and there's a space for everyone. Like, once you decide to become yourself and be yourself, like, your tribe will come to you, and people that support you will just start falling out the sky almost. So, um, falling out of me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And opportunities will fall out the sky. Like, so, I mean, you just have to kind of set your intentions. And, and honestly, you don't even have to set your intentions, you don't have to know what what the fuck is going on? Like, you don't even sometimes, because I know when I started with Hev, I didn't have any expectation. I didn't have any like dreams or goals within the industry. Like I was just coming along like for a fun time. And I started to see like, okay, there's parts of myself that I could be exhibiting or that I could be putting more to the forefront without judgment. And so I thought that was really cool. Mm -hmm. What um, were some of those things in yourself that you were able to find or unlock? In, um, in the exotic well, times and SDS times yeah. and all that. <laughs> um, well, I found out that I'm a switch. Um, so I always, I loved being dominated and I knew that, but I didn't know that there was like a term for it. Um, and even now, like recently I had sex with an old sex partner that I hadn't had sex with in like four years and the sex was so great. And I realized while we were having sex that, that we had a dominant submissive relationship, but, but I didn't know that when we were messing around like four or five, honestly, longer than four or five years ago, this was before I graduated. So yeah, maybe about five years ago. So like I had this relationship with him, had no idea that it was a dom sub relationship. He did. I, I'm not sure if he's educated on the terms, 
Mm -hmm. I'm sure he is, but he never enlightened me that what was going on. You know what I'm saying? Like, so I never put a name to it. But when we had sex again recently, I was like, oh, wow. Like, I was basically his sub. Like, I didn't even know. And so, like, going through the different um, events and um, sex pose and stuff, I realized that I also like being dominant. So, um, and I like both pretty much equally. Um, so that was one thing that I kind of had known in the bedroom, but I really was able to express it and even see that people get paid for it. Like it was so eye opening. Um, so I would say definitely the fact that I'm a switch, uh, as well as that I am an exhibitionist, which I did not before really know that I like being watched, but now I for sure know. And like, even, um, <laughs> like when I started my OnlyFans, a lot of people from my job, my day job, did not know that I was uh, doing it and I kind of wanted to keep it that way. But of course, you know, all good things get out. And so- Always a leaky faucet. Yeah, yeah. So everyone at my job knows now, but honestly, it kind of turns me on to think that they like, are like watching me and talking about me. Like I'll go in the break room and I just be like thinking like, you know, like what if they're watching me right now? Like that'd be kind of mm -hmm. hot. <laughs> so yeah, like <laughs> definitely exhibitionist. <laughs> so exhibition, not uh, not uh, when you're sneaking. Yeah. <laughs> so it's yeah. free and safe you can watch, but you're not playing if uh, yeah, yeah, I'm not gonna risk getting caught. Like, I like to show off when it's allowed. <laughs> yeah, <okay>. Good to know. <laughs> so, naturally, over these last four or five years, you've like had all these experiences, you've gained all these skills, and now you're starting to uh, branch out and do your own stuff. Tell me a little bit about some of the projects you're working on and what we can expect. So I'm really excited about um, a new idea that came to me uh, really recently, but it manifested so quickly. Um, Hustler EDU, so Hustler Exotic Dancer University, is an online academy for exotic dancers. So it's going to be full of classes and extracurriculars and fact sheets and all different sources, um, all different types of resources for dancers and strippers or whatever you prefer to call yourself. I like the word stripper, I think it's dope. But um, it's for all my, all my women out there that are hustling, making money in the clubs. And um, the first two courses just dropped this week. They're actually in pre-sale mode, so they're discounted right now. Um, and those courses are Baby Stripper 101 and OnlyFans Academy. So. Oh, Baby Stripper 101 is basically everything that a veteran dancer wishes she knew when she first started dancing, right? So we go over all the preliminary research you should do as far as finding a club, choosing a club, choosing your outfits, um, basically defining your image as a dancer, selling rooms. I mean, literally everything that you need to go kill it on your first night is in this course. Um, and I'm just super excited about it because as long as I've been dancing, I see new girls come in all the time. And I see other dancers like make fun of new dancers when really it's like 
we really should be helping them because if they don't know what they're doing, then they mess up everybody's money. Like mm -hmm. as much as entertainers like to think that it's like a, a job where you don't need to collaborate with other women. It's true. You can make a lot of money in the club and never talk to another girl and that's okay. But you want your club to have a certain reputation for the type of girls that are in there. And when you have new girls that come in and don't know what they're doing or are, there's so many ways they can be doing things wrong, but you really just want them, you want to be able to help the new dancers. But at the same time, a lot of girls feel like, well, I don't want to help the new girls because they're going to make more money than me or whatever. So I feel like this online course is just a great resource for those girls that are maybe thinking about dancing or maybe they just started, but they can't get that type of mentorship from another girl in the club that they really want mentorship from. Um, so that course is like my baby. I'm super excited about that. And um, it has like over hours of videos and like text and tips and just all kinds of awesomeness. Um, and the OnlyFans, wanna, uh, OnlyFans Academy, that was more so just like, okay, I need to create this course because so many dancers are out of work right now. A lot of them are going to be turning to OnlyFans and how can I help them make money in something that I've already been doing for a few months now. So OnlyFans Academy is going to teach you everything you need to know about um, coming up with your social media handle, creating your social media presence or monetizing the presence that you already have, um, deciding your niche, what type of um, content you're going to be putting out, how to price it, how to keep your subscribers, like everything you need to know to stay within the at least the top 20%. Now, I don't kill OnlyFans um, just because it's not a platform that like I put a lot of time into. I put more into it lately because I don't have nothing better to do. I'm out of work. But um, I would say like uh, there are women that probably have make way more money on OnlyFans than I do. But the question is, are they teaching you how to do it? So I'm teaching you all the strategies that I know that I've been able to sustain myself on OnlyFans with. And um, I think it's a lot of great information that's just going to get you making money immediately. So both of those courses are out now. They're dope as fuck. And yeah, support my latest venture. Why not? That's a, uh, make money. <laughs> what, did, what did Cat Williams say uh, in Friday After Next? You can, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him think. Exactly. <laughs> so if you're trying to think, go check out her uh, her OnlyFans and her her um baby her stripper. Yeah. stripper. What is it? Stripper baby stripper. Yeah, baby stripper one on one. So yeah, both of these courses are. Um, you can find them if you follow me, as well as uh, my Instagram for the university is hustler edu. So at hustler edu, um, the link is there to buy the courses, to see what's, what people are saying about it, because there's a lot of awesome reviews out right now. Um, and yeah, let me, know, let me know that you came from the podcast. <laughs> you know, you came up in the club, because that name sounds like a Jeezy song. That sounds what? like a Jeezy album, Hustler EDU. Yeah. <laughs> that right? sounds like a Jeezy album. Jeezy, <laughs> that needs to be the name of your next album. I just said it. <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> On Love Thy Body. Um, <laughs> for real. For real. <laughs> so, I did a little uh, deep dive into your Instagram and mm -hmm. found some posts that I want you to tell us about what was going on in your life at that moment. Okay? Okay. It's a fun game. Yeah. 
So for this first one, which is this shot. Okay. Remember that? That's my birthday. That's your birthday? The mm -hmm. caption says, I've been given so much power this past year. Power that has come from learning and unlearning about myself. It's just grateful. I'm just grateful for every lesson. Happy Earth Day to me. Tell me what you, uh, what power you felt like you had found and what was going on at that moment. The power I found was my intuition. So I feel like I've been an intuitive person. Um, I can't say my whole life, but I could say definitely in my adult life. Probably honestly in my younger years as well, I've been pretty intuitive, but didn't know how to recognize it, right? But lately, um, and especially the months leading up until my birthday, my most recent birthday, um, which was where that post is from, I feel like I was being tested a lot, but every test and every failure came from not following my intuition. Like you can, you can only be mad at yourself when you're doing everything right and you're still not following the signs. And I feel like I was meditating, I was journaling, I was talking out my feelings, I was really finding myself and I was getting really good cues from my intuition for certain things and I would ignore it. And then I would be surprised or upset when bad things happen to me. And it's like, yo, like you are not doing all this praying and meditating to get your shit together and then not listen to yourself. Like you're basically like becoming psychic and not listening to yourself. It's like, you're fucking yourself up. And I feel like that's what was going on. So when I say like I learned and unlearned and I found things, it was like, okay, I really had to learn how to be disciplined and trust myself. Mm. Yeah, that is important. That's a hard lesson to learn too. I'm glad you've got it. That's gonna make you so much better in the years to come as you continue to glow up. Yes, yes. This next one is this photo. Graduation. Ooh. Okay. That so might be like the first photo on my Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> The caption says, revenge is like the sweetest joy next to your success. So every time I see a bitter nigga, I'm a flex. <laughs> that was great. It was poetic, right? But the real question is, is who hurt you and what made them, <laughs> and what did they do to make you feel like you had to stunt so hard for the rest of your time? <laughs> No, you know what? So that was my status because, okay, you know the rapper the baby, right? Like yeah. everybody knows him now. So I used to be obsessed with him. Like he's from Charlotte. So I've known him for years. And that is actually one of his, the caption is one of his lyrics from like okay. his early mixtapes. So it was a the baby lyric and like I was a big groupie. So I already wanted cool points for using his caption, his <laughs> lyrics as a caption. So I'm like, okay, I'm gonna use his lyrics as a caption. But like, I don't remember like why I was like so flexing, but I'm like, you know, it's my fucking graduation. Like what other excuse do you need? Like, <laughs> I'm like, this is about success. 
revenge is like the sweetest joy next to your success like that's true like I don't want to I don't want to be vengeful to someone it's like what Beyonce said the best revenge is your paper or whatever like it was the same thing to me it was just a more hood version <laughs> uh, okay <laughs> that's what's up okay so this last one is this photo right here oh I love that mm-hmm the caption is, just knowing I got my eye on you, you could never take me for a fool. Oh, that was about someone at the time, mm -hmm. too. But who was it about? Yeah. So what was happening in that moment of your life? Who was it about? Okay, I'm trying to think. That was when that Steph London, because that's a song from Steph London. And I was on her early. I think this was probably like 2018, maybe. You just know I got my eye on you, so you can never take me for fool. I'm trying to think. It's about some dude I was talking to at the time. I ain't gonna act like I remember. I ain't gonna act like I remember what what guy it was, cause shit, I don't know. But I know when I typed that caption, I was thinking about a guy, and clearly, I guess I thought he was trying to play me for a fool. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, is this metaphorical? Is this the game, or is this him? <laughs> Or her. They're literally, like, I swear, if your song doesn't evoke at least one Instagram captionable, like, line, then you need to just go back to the drawing board, like. Just start over? <laughs> just quit what you was yeah, doing? Yeah, like, yeah, you gotta have your songs these days in 2020. Your song has to have, like, hella Instagram captionable, like, lines, especially for the ladies. So, even if it's the most hood song ever, you gotta have like one line that's like talking about how bad your bitch is or something that a girl can put in her caption. <laughs> yeah. Getting all kinds of tips today. Way to love Look, your body. Way to, I, way, I to win, way to win in the line. game. <laughs> <laughs> I I used to want to be an A and R, so like I I'm I be up on the music tip a lot. I love music. I love listening to new artists, local artists, and stuff like that. Okay. <laughs> yeah who's in your uh who are you on right now who are your favorites okay so like my favorites right now like i'm not my top 10 or top five like of life but my favorite artist right now i love young blue young blue is freaking amazing i think he's a dope kid um who else i really like of course roddy rich like everybody's on him right now roddy rich is dope um who else? I listen to a lot of Young Blue. Like, I love him. I would like for A Boogie to come out with some new stuff. I don't think he has anything new out right now. But I haven't been up on the music game lately, so he might. Um, I heard Moneybag Yo just dropped something, too. I need to listen to that. I like him. Yeah, I did. I heard, like, one or two tracks on that. That's cool. Yeah, I like him. Um, but I really like anything trappy um, and anything, like, emotional. I'm not the biggest Rod Wave fan, but I like his type of music. Like, Derez Deshaun is dope. Um, but I don't know why, like, Rod Wave, I, he has everything that I like about an artist, but for some reason, I'm not feeling it. But definitely pretty much anything that's, like, talking about struggle and trappiness and it has a nice beat, like, I'm with it. <laughs> okay. While we're on this subject, what's the song right now that's like when you hear it in the club, when you hear it wherever you're working, you know you're about to fuck that song up. What is it? Um, I know you got one. Her, 
It's Slide by her and YG. Yeah. That's my shit. That's your shit. Like, all he want to do is gas me. Why mm. end up in the backseat? I'm like, what? <laughs> that's when the work is going. I'm like, out. okay. Yeah, that song, like, I'm ready to, if there's no one's on the stage, and that song, I'm hopping on the stage, and I'm about to take everybody money, because I freaking love that song. Like, that mm. song makes me feel so sexy, and like sensual and like the beat and it's just like and then yg comes in and it's like i like it a lot okay what's your dance style I never yeah. like what kind of what kind of dancer are you are um you the acrobatic one are you the flexible one are you the one that's like making the party like the party girl that you want to hang out with what's your what's your persona I'm definitely like the party girl. Like I go on stage smiling, high energy. Like I want to be the girl that, okay, she's not the most flexible. Okay, she doesn't do a lot of pole work. Like she's doing everything mediocre, but I still want to give her all my money. Like that's me. Like I let my energy like win over the crowd because like I'm not that good on the pole. I can do a few tricks, but I usually prefer not to because it's painful to me and like I don't feel like people are gonna give me more money for it. So I just like usually don't do a lot of pole work. Um, but I like I can twerk really good. Like if they play a twerking song, I could twerk my ass off. But the clubs that I work at now, for the most part, don't play a lot of twerk music. So it's really just about like your energy and like converting your energy and making people want to engage with you. That's really my style. My style is connection. I think that's the best way to put it. Yeah, I get that. I get that. Mm -hmm. um, as a club dancer myself, but usually when I was doing it, I was spinning on my head somewhere or, you know, locking. <laughs> you know, it was like my best dancing was always done in the club. Not when it was like an exhibit, you know, exhibition, not when it was like we were hanging out or working on moves. It was like in the club with eyes on everybody watching just energy and it was just like yeah that fire that ah i'm just in it don't even know what i'm doing i'm just in it i'm, I'm living that moment um and i think those those dancers definitely are electric when you see them yeah it doesn't matter what they do you just love it right it gives you something to vibe off of mm -hmm. and it makes you feel like even if i can't do what they're doing i gotta do something i can't just not i can't right. just not if right. they're doing all that <laughs> right and it's the same way at the club it's like dang she's not my favorite girl but i have to tip her like i can't I just not like the same thing <laughs> you, like, you earned it take right. all my money take all how my can money. i not yeah <laughs> okay so for this last game it's um this is a game i've called the body commandments so i'm going to ask you sort of rapid fire questions and you're going to give me your first thought response Okay. And they're all going to be things relating to thy body. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, does thy body rather be warm or cold? Warm. Uh, something pleasurable against thy body is? <laughs> Penis. <laughs> I should give thy body more of? Mm. I guess the first thing that came to my mind was a spiritual bath. So I should take a spiritual bath later today. 
get it all clean. Yeah, like some salt and some herbs and some prayer and shit and just rest in there. Yeah, I need that. Oh, yeah. Um, Thy's body's favorite snack is? Avocado fries. Avocado fries. And, you know, people think that this is fried avocado, but no. I mean French fries with avocado. <laughs> like, so you potato fries. Avocado like ketchup? Like like guacamole? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's my favorite snack. Okay. Um, thy body loves to be pampered with? Massages. Human touch in general. Mm. The most amazing thing I can do with my body is? Eat pussy. Hey. Happily. Hungrily. <laughs> <laughs> that's about my, I think that's like my top trick. Like, I feel like of all my, my skills, the one I'm most proud of. Because, I mean, I give good head to men, too, but I feel like that's easy to do. Like, guys are so easy to please. But, like, if you can eat some pussy right and it's tested and true, like, you can eat different types of pussy right. Right. You're onto something. <laughs> I know what you're talking about. Explain it to the viewers. Yeah. Cause I, you feel I would, me. You feel me. I feel you. <laughs> I find it. I find it like uh, you. You must not have nowhere to go, cause I'm gonna be here for a while. <laughs> yes, Lord. Okay. What um? Where am I at? You just threw me off with that. That was fun. Um. <laughs> I need to nurture or love this thing more in thy body. Mm. Probably my heart. Okay. Right now, thy body is craving water in this joint <laughs> that I was about to smoke before we started this interview. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. Live your life. I won't want to. Shit. Uh, <laughs> Thy body's favorite place or way to be touched is? Mm, thy body's favorite place is under the sun, outside in the sun. And its favorite place to be touched um, <laughs> I don't know. Probably either my hair or my booty hole, which is two totally opposite things but those are the two things that came to my mind <laughs> sort of but not okay how, how is the hair and the booty hole related okay so <laughs> there are two things that to a degree get a lot of stimulation but not a lot of direct interest like mm -hmm. for long-haired people like i know the one thing in life that I will melt for at any moment of the day, but I'm not gonna let anybody just do it, is a fucking scalp rub. Right, putty. that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Putty, turning to putty. It's yeah. like no nothing else that I do, do or had going on matters while yep. that, right, that right scalp rub is happening. 
And I imagine with yeah. anal play, it's the same sort of thing. It's like, yeah, you sit on it, you touch it, you smack it, but to really like have it engaged and pleasured and um, yeah, given that sensation of like joy and attention, it doesn't receive it. So, or it doesn't see, receive it as regularly as, you know, you are when you're touched somewhere else. So I could see how those synonymous. Okay. Work. You're right. That's definitely why, because I'm the same way. I like my feet worshiped a lot too. And it's because like a lot of times, like it's not even that getting my feet rubbed feels that good, although it does feel good, but it's also just a turn on to be having someone touch something that other people might feel like is like something that is untouchable or gross or whatever. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, he's rubbing my feet. Like people, some people hate feet, but he's like sucking my toes. Like it's like an extra turn on just because of the fact that it doesn't get a lot of attention. Yeah. So yeah, I think the booty hole and the scalp massage, it's all the same thing pretty much. <laughs> you're right. Yeah, you're <laughs> you right. You proved your point. <laughs> um, thy body's favorite place to go is? Ghana. Ghana. What's that? Why Ghana? I love it there. It's home. It feels so peaceful. I feel like I don't have to worry about anything else in the world when I'm there. Like, the only thing you have to worry about is being. And I love it there. I love that feeling. Mm. You actually have uh, some products that you were promoting from Ghana. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. That was my first business. So, I've had Ghana Glam now for like three years. I sell stuff from um, Ghana, handmade items. And, um, it's like a social uh, capitalist venture. So although we do resell items handmade there, we also give back. So um, my last project was rebuilding a school there in Insulam and we rebuilt half of it. But unfortunately, um, some things happened with the contractors and stuff there. So um, <clears throat> we're actually in search right now of a new um, school to support once the Rona is over because right now they're, they're they're on shutdown as well right now all the schools are out and stuff like that but um basically anything you buy from ghana glam uh percentage of the proceeds goes to rebuilding schools there and supporting students there um and that's ghanaglam.com ghana like the country glam like glamorous you can see everything there okay thy body feels safe when when it's the little spoon mm. that little spoon is everything you, you get a good big yeah spoon. the best who's a better big spoon for you men or women better big spoon um probably men but i no, actually i take that back women are better big spoons only because women don't get tired of spooning. A lot of men in my past have complained about spooning. They say that they don't like their, either their arm hurts or their dick gets too hard and they don't want to just be laying there. Like every guy that I cuddle with, they end up turning around and sleeping the other way. <laughs> but like somewhere throughout the night, they leave your ass. Look, y'all heads are heavy though. Huh? Y'all heads are heavy. You wake up. That's what I'm saying. You wake up, and this whole situation, <laughs> this whole situation be dead. You can't move. 
You don't know if Look. you uh, had a stroke on your left side or not. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta go to the bathroom. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, men can't hang. Y'all not dedicated to the spoon life, girl. Man, my ex, I'll go to sleep as a little spoon and I'll wake up <laughs> cradle, little spoon. So. <laughs> Y'all might need to get it together in that regard. And in the, in the, playing the big spoon, get some stamina. <laughs> uh, okay. Last one. Blank makes my body feel sexy. Blank makes my body feel sexy. Dancing. Pole dancing. Nice. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And there you have it. <laughs> I don't even need no music. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much. That was such a good interview. Thank you. I had a lot of fun. Um, I was trying to figure out like ideas on what type of YouTube video I should make today, but I feel like you sparked a lot of conversation in me that I can probably pull from and decide what I'm going to put on the tube today. So <laughs> I appreciate you for, you know, choosing me to do this. Totally. Thanks so much for tuning in for today's episode of Love Thy Potty. Make sure you stay connected by liking, subscribing, and leaving comments. Love to hear from you. And until next time, we'll see you soon.